Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Say this, say this is my Bible. Out of it proceed the issues of life. I can have what my Bible said I can have. I can go where my Bible said I can go. I can do everything my Bible said I am. Faith, let's close that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I receive faith. I'm better because of it. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Alright, let's go back, if we will, to the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. We've been hanging out there for just a little bit on purpose. And uh, and I wanted, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. But in verse 10, uh, Jesus... Um, and I wanted I wanted to make reference of this that uh, uh, the the apostle Luke called God ordained God started out as as a physician got around Jesus and became a disciple of Jesus. You will never change by being a member. You change by becoming a disciple. And a disciple is somebody who becomes a disciplined one to teach the teaching. And so he became a disciple. He, he sat under the ministry uh, uh, of Jesus and, and uh, Jesus called him out and he took it heart to heart. And he had a friend of his who was a, a Greek, a philosopher, and uh, his name was Theophilus. And Theophilus rationalized everything and needed to have physical, tangible truth to things. A lot of people do that. And, uh, you know, I won't, I won't believe it till I see it. And then when they see it, well, I still don't believe it because, uh, you know, uh, they'll come up with all, all kinds of other reasons. But they'll believe in, you know, UFOs and, uh, you know, and, and Bigfoot and, and uh, all kinds of other stuff. But they won't. But when you tell them about uh, the gospel, ah, that that couldn't have happened. No way that happened, you know. So, uh, but uh, we're we're dealing with uh, the reality of the word of God. The word works. So we read in the Gospel of Luke, the thirteenth chapter, and uh, so when this book was written, it was absolutely the contents of the book was written to from Luke, the physician, a doctor, to his friend, Theophilus, to not convince him, but to explain to him his relationship with Jesus and what he saw. Yeah. Now, how Theophilus received it, I don't, uh, it was up to Theophilus. Also, the book of Acts was written to Theophilus. That's why Acts 1.1 says, to the, the former letter, the treatises in King James, is literally means the letter, that's my favorite verse. The former letter have I written, O Theophilus, of the things Jesus began to do and teach. So Jesus never taught anything he didn't do. I think it's a tragedy when people try to teach things they've never done. And done so consistently, it's so in them, that they don't say, I think about it, or it might happen, I have a theory. Now, Jesus didn't have any of that. So, so because of this, uh, in Luke's gospel, the 13th chapter, when he was writing to him, 
as a physician. Keep in mind, he's writing as a physician. And so, when he's writing as a physician, that's why there's more detail in this chapter, or uh, of this detail, uh, than there was in, um, in any of the others. It's also mentioned in Matthew's Gospel. But Luke spent more time really delving into it, even though he didn't deal with the whole thing about it. But notice in the 10th chapter, he says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity uh, 18 years and was bowed down, uh, bowed together and, uh, uh, and could in no wise uh, lift up, lift up. Now, now, you notice the word herself italicized, uh, which is to clarify, to sort of amplify. King James, the writers, the translators, they put that in there. So basically it said in here, she could in no wise lift up. She not only could lift, not only lift up herself, she could lift up anything. She was rendered helpless from doing a few, doing natural things around her home and different things. But it took 18 years to get to this condition. And here's what really got to me, and I'm meditating on this, and, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me about this. And he said this to me, that woman, regardless of how she felt for 18 years, still went to church and never let her condition be an excuse not to show up. He said, that's why he singled her out. Now, it wasn't that that she could have got ministered to and healed. Uh, uh, immediately because the scribes and the Pharisees, they knew the same scriptures, but they never spoke with them with authority. Nor did they believe anybody could get healed on a Sabbath. That was work, they called it. And so they they said, uh, that's what they referred to it as. But in here, it said he was teaching. He was teaching. And so while he was teaching, he kept watching this woman. You know what that woman was doing? Responding. Every time he was, while he was teaching, she would respond to his teaching. You can see faith in people's life. You can see faith in people's response. You can see faith instead of just hearing a sermon. What Jesus did not do here was teach sermons. Jesus, you, you know, I know uh, in Matthew's gospel, we only have it one time where it says, and he, we had the Sermon on the Mount. Isn't it interesting? The Sermon on the Mount. You know why they call it the Sermon on the Mount? He was on a mountain. So, you know, he had a sermon. He was teaching. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And, and if he'd have been, uh, uh, notice when he was preaching along the seaside before he got into the boat with, with uh, 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 Peter, they didn't call it the sermon by the boat. Did you know? Did you notice that? They, they didn't call it that. They, but uh, one time, the Sermon on the Mount, and ministers across the land have sermons. What we ought to be doing is teaching. Amen. And so, teaching is informative. It's it's te- teaching will give you information. Preaching gives you inspiration. And we need both. So, uh, uh, to coin a phrase 
that uh, Miss uh, Sue Perez used one time, and that was called treacher, uh, meaning I'm a, uh, meaning teacher and preacher, because you need both. See, some people are are taught they they hear teaching and they get information, but then they don't do anything with the information except study it. Then you get those who all they do is go to a church and they get inspiration, but no teaching. So they're inspired, but no uh, formative instruction on what to do with the inspiration. And so we need both. You need to be taught, informed, and then you need to have inspiration to do what you've been taught. Amen. Earlier, uh, we had, we had, we had, uh, uh, and that's why my office is that of doing both. I mean, I could teach without this microphone. You still hear me. We only do it to, re- to record, to get a recording. But I, you could hear me if I didn't have this mic on. Sometimes I teach and then they, they, they're telling me, your mic's not on. But they can still hear me in the back. Amen. But I don't normally talk this way at home, but when the anointing hits me. And uh, and so, but the anointing is always on me anyway. But uh, but uh, anyway, uh, noticing this verse, he said he said to her, uh, uh, he was teaching. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on on the Sabbath. So he was teaching. Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath. This is what we've been talking about on the promises of God. So what was Jesus teaching? What was Jesus teaching? Jesus was teaching what we know as the five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He was teaching what was known as the Torah, the Pentateuch. He was teaching, and from those five books, you can be healed, delivered, well, happy, married, sound, your children raised solid, you can be a solid individual. You can be blessed coming and blessed going. You can be above only and not be... Just with five books. And we have 66 of them, ladies and gentlemen. And so, so praise God for it. But here's the thing that I said to you was that the scriptures, in, within, uh, within scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there are over 7,000 promises. 7,000 promises. Not, not counting the promises that people received. This woman received a promise. And, we, and because of it, we call it a miracle. What she really received was a promise. Finally, somebody told her, you don't need to have that anymore. Finally, somebody, out of, out of 18 years of dealing with this thing, somebody finally told her, you know what? You don't need to go through that anymore. Right now, you're as saved if you're born again. You are as saved as you're going to be saved. You can't get any more saved. And in salvation is the total package of everything God is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When He gave His Son in His giving, He gave everything. Everything. He gave the ability, number one, to use words to change everything about your life. So when Jesus was teaching, he saw a woman being changed over 18 years. And Luke, being a physician and being who he was, did not give a name. I've I've used this and I want to stress this because this is very important. 
that, that you get a hold of this. I know you're going to hear this repeatedly while I'm teaching on this session. But, but I want you to get a hold of this. G- Luke did not give her a name. We don't know her name. According to Luke, we don't have her name. But Jesus gave her a name. Jesus named her. And he said, Ought not this daughter of Abraham? So he connected her to the covenant. Luke connected her to the synagogue. Luke said she goes to the, to the synagogue. Meaning this, there are members of churches today across the United States and across the world that are connected to the church. And then there are members who go deeper and connected to the covenant. And when they're connected to the covenant, those are the happy ones. Those are the ones that are full of joy and they have unspeakable words to describe who God is. And you can't stop them from from being joyous. You can't stop their testimony. They can't help but tell somebody, this is what God's done for me. They, They can't help but live holy and live right. And live above only. They, they can't help it. it. It's part of the covenant. This is my promise. So when you tell them something that from the doctors, or you tell them something from the bank, or you tell wait a minute, my God supplies all my need. I, I got a promise. I, I have a promise. I, you know, the doctor gives you a report. Well, wait a minute. But, but you, you understand, by the stripes, I'm a healed person. Uh, you have to understand, I'm blessed coming. Well, well no! Your, your FICA store tells you, you're worthless, you can't, you'll never buy a house. Really? My, the God I serve said, He owns all the cattle, and He owns the hill, and He promised me land, so I can have it. You're just not the person to give it to me. And you don't walk out discouraged. You walk out, listen, listen to me. People say in the world, opportunity knocks once. Uh, well, what do you, you, you know that uh, these, these little doors right here, these doors, uh, most doors don't have a window. So you can't see through a door, so you can't even see an opportunity. You have to wait for it to knock. Why don't we have windows? Then you can see your opportunity, you can chase it. That's mine. That belongs to me. The windows of heaven are open on our behalf. And blessings are being poured out upon us. I'll say that one more time because that was a very weak amen. The, the windows are opened in your behalf. Have been opened in your behalf. I know Jesus said I'm the door. But the only reason he said that is because I'm the door into the blessing. And I won't let any curse in. I won't even let I put a window in the door so you can see a curse. So, uh, and notice the Bible refers to this in verse 11. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. This is Luke talking. She had it for 18 years. Now notice this, bowed together. Bowed together. And, and, uh, and so we, we realize that this verse of Scripture gives us a definition. She was bowed together. Uh, it didn't say she was bowed down. 
said she was bound together. Her, her, her body began to curve and the curvature was there and, and, and everything was, was uh, sealing together. Her, her, her spine was infusing. And once it got infused, it couldn't, it couldn't come up. But that's not a problem when you have the promise. And she didn't know the promise. Until Jesus began to teach, and she's sitting there going, wait. Somewhere in her, she reached inside and said, that's mine. You mean to tell me the first year, the second year, the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, the sixth year, the seventh year, the eighth year, the ninth year, the tenth year, the seventh year, the eighth, I mean all the way down to 18. You mean to tell me at any one of those moments, had I known this, I wouldn't have been gone through this? Jesus noted her and said, Woman! Thou art loose from thine infirmity. He didn't anoint her with oil. He, he anointed her with teaching. And she got promise on the inside of her. I like verse 12. And Jesus saw her. Jesus, when Jesus teaches and sees people respond to the teaching, heaven responds because heaven sees. I remember, I believe... See, it was uh, Smith Wigglesworth who made the statement, God will jump over 100 to get to one who has faith. Amen. And so that, that's an interesting statement. I know that. I've taught so much. I've taught so much gospel and watched people just stare at me. And, uh, I, and, and so, uh, and I like this. He called her to him. And then he said unto her, Woman! Thou art loose from thine infirmity. That moment. That moment. 18 years of despair left. 18 years of hopelessness left. And now, now, now you got to catch this. Um, uh, if I'm reading this and the scripture is alive, then I don't know how many years you've gone through something. I'm teaching you this. And it's, it's left. So, so if nobody ever told you, uh, it left. I'm telling you, you don't have to have it. Uh, and and uh, uh, woman, thou art loosed. So I have, a, I have a Bible right to put my name in there, to, to, uh, to not just claim this, but possess this as a lifestyle. And then I have a right to say, I'm loosed. And if I'm loosed, I can't be bound, because that's why Paul said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. So I'm loosed. Amen. And you're loosed. Amen. You're loosed from what anything that may try to bind you up. You, you, you're, you're loose from, from any of that. So we know that he laid his hands on her and we know that he did that. Acts chapter 2 verse 39 in the message translation. I want to once again do this and then let's go to our subject matter and give me a few moments here to finish this. Acts chapter 2 verse 39 uh, makes this statement. Are you, are you ready? Because I'm dealing with the promises of God. I believe this, that we are... 
this, we are experiencing a time of great change and a time of great exchange. I believe that. With everything in me, I I absolutely believe that. uh, That this is happening. 39. The promise... This is the message translation, and this ought, to, uh, this ought to excite you. It's targeted to you. I want to say to you, look at the term in this verse. It says it's targeted to you, not at you. It's targeted to you. L- let me rephrase. Um, uh, if, if you... Uh, Get an email. That email was targeted to you because they had your email address. And then, and then there's a, an attachment that you know who it came from. And sometimes when they're typing in the email, they don't even type in their name. It just their email address comes up, and you know, oh, that's so and so. If if somebody text message has your phone number and text messages you, uh, and you have them in your contacts, they'll text message you. They don't have to necessarily say, Hi, it's me, and give you the name, and and, uh, a picture, and all that kind of stuff, and fingerprint. The moment they text you, and say something to you, you know, oh, I know so-and-so. Have you ever received something, and and the call comes through, and says, unknown caller? What do most of you do when an unknown call comes? You don't answer it. You don't answer. You don't answer it. Unknown caller, and, and so somebody has your number. Your unknown caller, and uh, and so uh, so because of it, you know what you do? You push decline if you can on your phone. And if you're on the phone talking to somebody you know, and a phone call comes in, and it'll say end call with the person you're talking to. On my phone it does. Then in the center, there's a red dot that says decline. Or then it says hold. How many of you have that on your phones? And so, uh, uh, so if you don't know who it is, and it says unknown caller, you push decline. So if you're talking to Jesus, why are you answering your emotion? Why do you answer your circumstance? Why do you answer a challenge? Why do you answer a curse? Why don't you just push the button, decline? Shut it down. And, And listen to what God said. The promise is targeted to you. And if that wasn't enough, this ought to get you excited. Your children... I'm so excited that what God has blessed me with is nowhere near what God will bless my children with. I've opened door of a door of blessings. Joanne has opened up a door of blessings. Our words have created avenues by which they can enter into. They've watched, they've seen, they've observed, they've heard. And the blessing will outlast us. So that means they've got to enter into it. And if that wasn't enough, to their children as well. 
but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. God has invited you. Please come. Please come and accept and sit at my table. So, we talked about these three things. You got, we have to obtain the promises of God by faith. Number two, here's where we're at. Maintain the promises of God by faith. I asked the question on Sunday, what happens if you buy a brand new car? A brand new car. Not, not, not brand new to you, but a brand new car. Uh, uh, you know, that may have just maybe six to ten miles on it. You drove it off the showroom. It's polished. Smells nice. And uh, and you drove it off. You signed all the papers. You drove that car off, drove it into your driveway, and then told everybody for three years, that's my new car. That's my new car. You know what would happen to the engine? It'd freeze. You know what would happen to the tires? They'd shrink. They'd go down because the air would come out of it. You know what happened to the leather or to the uh, whatever material you used in? It'd get old. You know what happened to the exterior? It'd get uh, dusty. And, it would, and the windows, you couldn't even see inside of the car. It, it could ruin the paint. Outside, inside, weather, hot, cold. It could ruin it. You know what you got to do with that car? Drive it. You want to keep it alive? Drive it. You want to keep the promises of God alive? Use them. You, you cannot say, I'm blessed, I claim. That's not enough. That's not enough. We use that term for often. I claim the promise. Well, why don't you just use the promise and you want to claim it? Just, just utilize it and you'll never have to use the word claim because you already possess it. Amen. I mean, this, this is what this is about. Maintain our faith uh, 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 and, and uh, maintain the promises of God with our faith. Number one, observe those who are successful at their walk of faith and then follow them. Follow. Follow. We've got to be followers. Follow those who are using faith, who know faith. Uh, I, I've used this illustration or made this statement for years and that was this. None of you would, uh, would, none of you would send your child to a school to learn from a child the same age. None of you would send your child to a college uh, at all and, and pay the money that it charges for college to learn from a college student. And the dean come in and say, anybody in here want to teach this class? Uh, we don't have a teacher, and somebody go. I'll take it. And you got to, you know, remember when you were in college? Yeah, you remember that? Would you have paid that if 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 you found out it was just a student? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely not. Boy, that was so confident. Uh, no, you would not go. If any, if any of you were, you you wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't do that. There, there's. Uh, uh, so, so I don't know why people are following people who haven't learned it yet. And lasted and proven that they'll last. Brother Copeland made a statement. He said, my spiritual father was Oral Roberts and Brother Hagen. And when he made that statement, I, I looked at Joanne. We were watching it on, on live stream uh, or whatever, uh, YouTube. 
and, and we were watching the, pro, the program. And, and uh, so once we, once we did that, and he made that statement, I looked at her and I said, and both of them are in heaven now. That's why he can't, that's why he can't say they're spiritual fathers to him because they both made their transition and they both went to heaven. I said, Joanne, you and I, uh, our spiritual father, Dr. Ed Dufresne, is in heaven. And it took us two and a half years to make the decision with Jesse Duplantis. And then when Jesse Duplantis was coming to speak for us, and he was in our back room, I said, Jesse, after the service, I'd like to talk to you. He goes, I know what you're going to talk to me about. He was flying over here. Kathy and I had the conversation. And both of us bore witness with him. And the Spirit of the Lord told us, you were going to ask me if I would be your spiritual father. I said, yeah, I was. He goes, and the answer is yes. It's the Holy Ghost. Now let's go have church. I go, okay. So we'll talk about it after. So we did. But see, the Spirit of God bore witness with him. See, you can't be a son if the father doesn't know it. And you can't be a spiritual father unless you're a son. Bottom line. And so that's just the way that is. My, my spiritual father, Jesse DePlanis, will be here in, in January. January 27th, he'll be speaking at a church. January 28th, he'll speak at another church uh, in uh, Bakersfield. And January 29th, he'll be speaking at another church. I'm going to all three of those meetings because he's in my state. That's my spiritual father. And then in April, I go to his conference. And I sit under him. I flew to Arizona to go see him. Nevada. Texas. No, it was, yeah, it was Texas. Texas, not Nevada, Arizona. Texas. I flew there to go see him. And, and, and guess what I did? Hi, Jesse. How you doing? He shaked my hand, and then he had to leave. Could be at another meeting in the morning. That was it. Wow. But I was in the atmosphere of my spiritual father, showing I was a son. Wow. Okay, anyway. So, so you follow people who have, uh, uh, who have developed their spirituality and, and that are a higher level and understand that level. And, and let me help you here. Crowds are not necessarily indicators of maturity. Yeah, I, let me tell you something. I, could draw, I can draw a, a larger crowd in five minutes if I walk out this door and light myself on fire on that corner. Oh yeah, cars will stop, people run out, people will be video recording me, and I'll be on YouTube, and people will be doing this, uplinking everything, and look, look at this, and talking to all their friends about me, because I'm on fire in the middle of the street. Interesting. Yeah. I could. And yet I have members... And 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 and, and 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 sometimes they're here and sometimes they're not. But I'm okay. I'm still me, and I'm fine being me. So observe that. Mark chapter thirty-seven. Watch this, verse thirty-seven. Thirty-seven, thirty-seven. Isn't that a good time? Thirty-seven, thirty-seven. Psalms. Uh, did I say Mark? Uh, I apologize. Psalms thirty-seven, thirty-seven. Uh, well, look at this verse of scripture. Are, are you ready for it? Uh, notice this. Mark, not a man, Mark, but Mark, locate, notify yourself spiritually, mentally, socially. Get it, get it involved. Mark the perfect man. That means mature. 
a, a mature man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. So when you follow somebody who's mature, you find them at peace. You, you may think, well, yeah, but the way they conduct their meetings, the way they do things, yeah, but they're strong in faith. They're, they're strong in the Holy Ghost. And when you see that, and some people say, well, yeah, I don't want to talk about people that are old. You know why they're old? They're still here. That's why, because they're still here. They're old because they're still here. And they're not old. They're just older than you. Amen? And so, and uh, I mean, I'm older than my son. And, and uh, that would be a miracle if we were the same age. That'd be... That'd be just, just bizarre. Are, are, you, are you understanding? So I, I'm older than him. And, and so he's growing up in, in an era and learning things of his time. And, and I'm in my time. And yet, guess what I still am? Dad. I'm still his father. Still his father. And and uh, and will be his father till I take my last breath, and when I take my last breath, that'll be my first one in heaven. And the and the greatest legacy, despite anything I, that I get leave him, is the legacy of my faith. The legacy of my faith. And and, and so Mark, the perfect man, behold the upright for the end of the man is peace. To maintain the promise of God by first by faith, first develop a prayer life. Develop a prayer life. Communication. Prayer. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. A monologue is like when you watch television programs and people on the program are talking and the guest is there and the monologue is there. But you ever notice that most of them never talk? They're reading it off of a, uh, off of a screen. Even the jokes are off a screen. That's wild. They're not even funny without a screen. Game show hosts, they're talking, but they're not even looking at the... Uh, 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 they're not even looking at the people. They're reading the screen, then they turn around to tell people, because they don't know. You, you ought to be able to, to, know, to know what's on the inside of you and be able to just say it. Quote the verses of Scripture and get it out. And put that verse out. You, you, ought to, you and I ought to be able to do that. So, to maintain the promise of God by faith, first develop a prayer life, which keeps you becoming faint-hearted and quitting. Because you're going to run through some challenges. First uh, John five fourteen makes this statement, and this is a, this is a, a very important statement when it comes to maintaining the promises of God. Because when I pray, I don't pray problems, I don't pray challenges, I don't pray opposition. I stop for just a moment, and then what I do is I pray a promise. But if you don't know promises, you won't know how to pray. Remember, there's 7,000. That's, a little, that's a, about 134 promises a day. So every time you wake up, you have 134 promises. Surely you can find one. 
Am I right? Surely. First John five fourteen says, and this is the confidence we have in Him. That we have in Him. Not a confidence in you. Not a confidence in your past. Not a confidence in testimonies. The confidence we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will. Let me add that word will. Let's change it for just a moment. To the promises of God. Which He has directed. Remember He targeted. He targeted Him. So those targeted uh, pro- uh, promises. Are His will towards you. So those, the will of God is His promise. God wants you blessed. Amen? And so, so this is important. And so anything... And, and then, I like this part. Are you ready for it? I like this. Are you, are you ready? I mean, let me see if I can get uh, a few of you to smile on this one. He heareth us. Yeah. My God, He heareth us. He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of Him. Amen. Now, I, I know God has never been uh, deaf. I know God is not deaf. He hears everything. But, but there's uh, my father-in-law and I were talking the other day. He wants me to take him and have his uh, 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 ears uh, uh, checked because he's having some difficulty with hearing. So uh, we were conversing. He goes, but I'm not sure... If I want to hear again that way, I go, why not? And he goes, well, because then I might hear everything everybody's saying about me. <laughs> and then he tells me this. He goes, do you know the story of the man who uh, couldn't hear and he needed hearing aids? So he went to a doctor and he got some, he got some hearing aids and uh, he sat down in the living room and then nobody knew that he had hearing aids. Because nobody ever came over to see him. And he says, so once they got talking about him, making fun of him, he never said a word. And then two days later, he went to the attorney and changed his will, took them all off. He goes, he raised them all out of his inheritance. Well, sometimes uh, the way we speak, we affect our inheritance. Because we think God's deaf and doesn't hear us. His hearing's fine. He, has, he does not have any need for AIDS. He hears us. That's why I read this verse. I'm saying, maybe I can get somebody to just smile on this one. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition we desired of Him. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Maintaining the promises of God by faith, you must stay true to your purpose. Stay true to your purpose. Know that that it is that that is uh, that that what what it is. Uh, You got to know what your purpose is. You got to know. You got to know what your purpose is. And by maintaining the promises of God by faith, you must stay true to your purpose and know what it is, and and not be distracted by what others are doing. Just because somebody else is doing something else. So just because somebody else do something bigger. Just because something else, somebody else do something different. Doesn't mean that's for you. It, it, does, it doesn't mean that at all. And so, uh, let me give you one last verse. We'll close here. Second Corinthians 4.16 makes this statement. And this is, I'm going to give it to you out of the message translation. I like this. Are you ready for it? Oh, this is good. 
So we're not giving up. So we're not giving up. Can you say that with me? So I'm not giving up. Uh, say it a little bit more excited. Say we're not giving up. And listen to this next part. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. So no matter what's going on out there, grace is covering us. Okay, how bad you feel on the outside, grace covers you. And if grace covers you, then you can run the race. And if you can run the race, you'll keep the pace. And at the end, you get to see His face. This scripture, I love it. So we're not giving up. We're not giving up. Are you kidding me? We're not giving up. So how could we? Even though from the outside it it often looks like things are falling apart. There are times things will look like it's not working. Sometimes you may may lose a job. You may lose a, 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 a position, a home, a job. So something might go wrong. Situations might happen. And because of it, you can't, you can't allow circumstances to change you. For, for many years, uh, uh, Joanna and I lived in the city of Downey. We rented. And our first house, we came into agreement. We said, we're not going to put any money down on our first house. And, and we were developing our faith. We were learning faith. So we said, we're not going to put any money down on our first house. So, uh, so years went by, and we would go look around. And I went to go speak at a church. And as, after I, I got through speaking at a church, uh, uh, um, not too long afterwards, a woman called us uh, and, uh, uh, and her and her husband wanted to meet with us. So they met with us. They said, we're moving up to, uh, uh, I'm not sure what the sunny, Sun City. They were developing Sun City at the time. Uh, and so they said, we're, we're going to buy a house out in Sun City and we own this house outright. And after hearing you, the Spirit of the Lord gave me a dream and told me that uh, you're supposed to have our home. We're supposed to sell it to you. And because we're supposed to sell it to you, uh, we're going to give you the down payment and, uh, on the house. And, uh, we're gonna, and we, know, we talked about price and stuff. And we, uh, and we, thought, and we, we said, we're not going to put any money out of our pocket to buy a home, to initially to get in. And so we did that, and, and they, they gave us the money. Awesome! At the same time, we were renting from a school district, and the school district said, we decided, and we were in there for several years, and the school district said, if at the conclusion of this time frame, uh, we don't want to open up a new school here, because the district will, doesn't require it, then we'll sell you the school. Praise God. It was elementary school. And so I thought, great. So, uh, so I thought, this, this is awesome. And uh, so they ended up calling me and saying, 
we're going to open up a district, so you're going to need to move. Okay. So I was, we had put some money aside. I went and found a wonderful building, and the this, this city said that'd be fine. And I still had to go through all the process, through it. And, and so um, uh, Joanne and I went there. We sat there. We sat on the staircase inside. They had a wonderful upstairs, downstairs, auditorium downstairs. Restrooms were upstairs, downstairs. It was right on in a good city. And we lived in, with a, we lived in, uh, in Downey. So the house we were moving to was Norwalk. And uh, that, the building was in Santa Fe Springs. And uh, so uh, the owner... Uh, 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 and I met several times over this, and I we had dinner together, and and it was it was a go. Everything was a go. Then at the same time, Joanna and I were going for the first time to South Africa, and we had given our our passports to the organization, another organization that was going, and uh, they were going to get visas. So we hand we mailed it to them. So. I call this my 45 minutes of hell. I'm in my office at the school district and I get a phone call. And the bank, and at that time period, the, the board of the church had given me a, a, an increase in my salary a few months earlier than that. And uh, so uh, the bank calls me and they said, we noticed that you got an increase in your wages. I go, actually, yeah, I did. They said, well, because you got an increase, you proved to be unstable. And we're not selling you the house. We're not going to carry your note. And I said, well, who can I talk to? They go, nobody here wants to talk to you. And they hung up. So I did what I normally did. I went into prayer. I started praying in tongues. Got up, started walking around my office, started praying in tongues. And then right after that, I get a phone call, and it is the owner of the building we were going to, and he goes, uh, hey, Reverend, uh, last night at midnight, I sold your building for cash, full cash. And he goes, so you can't have your building, it's sold, it's a done deal. And I said, yeah, but uh, you have my money. I have a contract with you. He said, I don't know if you noticed, but the contract ended at midnight, so at midnight, I got all cash. Sat there for a minute. And I go, well, well, let's meet. He goes, no, I don't want to talk to you. He hung up. I got up and I started praying in tongues again. Then after that, I get a phone call. And the people that were taking us, that were going to get my visa, they said, we decided we weren't going to go. We forgot to call you. We never got your visa. Joanna and I leave for South Africa in two weeks. It takes a few months at that, that time to get a visa. So I called, I, I t- uh, so when I, and, they, and they said, well, what's going on? Well, we're going to mail you. I said, overnight it, I'll pay for it. They just overnight me my passports. So they did, they overnighted my passports. And I sat there for a moment, and uh, then a, a, a thought hit me. You know what that thought was? I picked up the phone and just buzzed my secretary. Don't allow any more phone calls to come to my office. I don't want to hear anything else. All of that happened, all those phone calls happened within 45 minutes. Then, by praying in tongues, something came up. Call Ed Perez. I called Ed. I said, Ed, do you remember? And he had a friend. And, and I said, uh, 
Do you think he knows anybody that can get me a, 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 a visa? I have my passport, but I need a visa. I need to leave. I'm going to Africa. And he said, uh, and, and I told him, he goes, let me call you back. He called me back, but he couldn't get through. I don't know if you remember that. Because I told him, don't let anybody call through. <laughs> so I, I, they walked out. They go, Ed, Ed Perez called you twice. I go, put him through. So, and he goes, yeah, we can do this. As soon as you get the passport. Well, the passports I hadn't got yet. I just ordered them. So then I called a bunch of people together. And I said, I want you to go to my house in Downey. And I want you to pack everything and everything, all my furniture, everything, and put it in the house in Norwalk. And, and uh, I didn't tell them I didn't own the house. They, the other couple had already moved out. And I hadn't told them. I said, just put everything in there. I'm going to possess the land. I went in there. And so, uh, and I said, I'll deal with the church when I come back. And so I, we left for Africa. And uh, so when I got home, uh, the bank called and said, we checked it out. I don't know who that guy was. We had to fire him. So we, we got you, we got your, uh, you, you straightened out. Praise God, we went to Africa. Africa was a tremendous thing. And uh, uh, building-wise, that was the challenge. It was still the thorn in the flesh. And uh, we did find another building, but, and in the course of that, uh, Satan has used buildings against me all that time. And, and so, uh, but I, I fought the good fight of faith. But we moved into that house, and we lived there for several years, and I kept that house. And, then, and, for, and, and we redid the house. And then I moved out of the went apart. I'm telling you all this because sometimes you'll go through where 45 minutes of hell I went through. For you, it just might be five minutes of hell. Or it could be a year of hell. But yea, though I walk through the valley... Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because God is with me. So I refuse to let hell affect me. I have a swimming pool again. I can get in my pool and I'm safe because I know how to swim. I'm in danger when the pool gets in me. That's when death occurs. But as long as I'm in the pool, I'm fine. So if I'm going through a challenge, I'm fine. I don't let the challenge in me. How do you know it's in you? I start talking it. I let it affect my emotions. I, I, I let it affect... Uh, 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 there was only one time in my life I, I, I stood up at the pulpit and, and didn't want to preach because emotions were hitting me. Only one time. For, after, out of 41 years of pastoring. You will never know what I'm going through. Because I don't let it, I don't wear it. I don't wear it. You know why I don't wear it? Because I don't wear it. I refuse to wear the spirit of heaviness. Not when I've got a garment called praise. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.